Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Nurses rally nationwide for safe staffing. Post-production editors at Saturday Night Live looking to go on strike. And today on the show, it's the story of a construction company in Boston and how workers and Wall Street money show why we need to organize. Welcome to the Monday, January 30th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. We have two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Paul Goodrich. Paul is a longtime organizer for LIUNA. That's our presenting sponsor, Labor's International Union of North America. And today he's going to talk about the Feeney Brothers Construction Company. I referenced this show a couple weeks ago. Just give you a little background. This was a family-owned construction company in the Boston area until about 10 years ago when it was bought out by a private equity fund. Here's the deal. There was a lot of work. They couldn't handle the work. They needed an influx of money. And so that money came, of course, with conditions. Well, the company has been fined under both federal and state law for OSHA violations. One worker lost his arm. Paul says he's been organizing for 25 years. He's seen a lot. Wage theft, union busting, insurance fraud. He said he thought he saw it all until he witnessed firsthand how Feeney Brothers runs their operations. He's going to tell us the entire story from when they were a company before private equity and how that changed. We're talking a lot of money here. So the only way... To help the workers out is to make sure that they join the union. And it's my understanding there's a number of locals involved. It's been a fight. We'll get into all the details uh, with Paul. And uh, we're also going to hear later in the show from an attorney that is filing. It's not deemed a class action, but uh, it's on its way. And that attorney is Sean Flaherty. Sean Join the Ketchis Law Group, and they're the uh, the group that's handling all this. And he's been there since 2004. He has a background in the construction industry. He's a former member of uh, Local 7 of the Steel and Iron Workers Union in that area. He represents injured workers in all phases of workers' compensation litigation. That includes conciliations, conferences, hearings. He's done this before several administrative law judges at the Department of Industrial Accidents. He also handles Social Security disability claims. So he is going to give us the mechanics of that lawsuit and what they're trying to accomplish. And Paul is going to talk about the organized. I want to take you to the website, and there's a lot of information on this website, justiceforfeeneyworkers.org, justiceforfeeneyworkers.org. If you go to that website, you will see a video, and the guy's face is blocked out. Uh, This is a former worker 
at Feeney Brothers. Let's listen. John, what was your last job? Where'd you work? I worked at Feeney Brothers as a subcontractor. What were they paying you? Uh, I was getting uh, 20 an hour at the time with uh, no benefits. Any overtime? Uh, here or there, yes. It was, it was kind of hard to come across overtime. Yeah. Uh, was it was the overtime cash or was it check or what was it? Uh, I got my overtime in cash. You got your overtime cash. Now, that's one of the workers that used to work at Feeney Brothers Construction, and a number of them have left because of the poor working conditions there. So we're going to hear a lot on the show today about what's going on in basically the New England area, and it's been going on for the last couple of years. Our first guest will be Paul Goodrich, and then we're going to link up with Sean Flaherty, who's handling the lawsuit, and uh, he'll give us an update on where that is going. Unions in the news, making news. This uh, labor update brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Nurses on the move, carrying their longtime campaign for safe staffing of the nation's hospitals to the streets again. Thousands of members of National Nurses United staged rallies from coast to coast on January 26. Safe staffing has been a major goal for more than a decade for the union. They've pushed safe staffing laws through the California and New York legislatures, lobbied for federal safe staffing standards, and used hospitals' refusal to safely staff institutions to win representation elections. Well, this time, the registered nurses rallied at the VA hospital in downtown Manhattan and two other VA hospitals, one in Atlanta and another in Augusta, Georgia. The National Day of Action also saw informational picket lines in Los Angeles. Three hospitals there, Torrance, Oakland, San Francisco, San Bernardino, and other California cities. One hospital each in Tucson, Arizona, Largo in Trinity, Florida, Catholic Hospital in Wichita, Kansas, Research Medical Center, Kansas City, Missouri, Austin, Corpus Christi, El Paso, Texas, and Western North Carolina's largest hospital in Asheville. Now, the Asheville picketing was a pretty significant safe staffing or lack of it was the top winning issue in that union election campaign among the hospital's 16,000 RNs. And that's not a union-friendly state. No, 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 no. Also, uh, National Nurses United's newest affiliate, which would be the New York State Nurses Association, used the lever of their safe staffing law which uh, was supported by the governor, Kathy Hochul, to force Montefiore's three hospitals in the Bronx and Mount Sinai Medical Center in Manhattan to settle a three-day strike. We talked a lot about that one just a couple of weeks ago. Short-staffing again, the problem. Now, the, uh, the hospital management claims, this is funny, they're blaming the insurers, and I'm sure that's part of it. They're saying the greedy, profit-oriented insurers have forced them to cut costs by cutting care. Well, the union replies with studies revealing that their multi-million dollar salaries, the profits their institutions make, and hospital overcharges for basic procedures, all while working RNs to the bone, especially during the pandemic. Comment here from uh, National Nurses United. This winter surge in RSV influenza 
in COVID-19 patients resulted in crisis conditions because of a decades-long campaign by hospitals to decrease inpatient beds, particularly in pediatric units and units deemed less profitable, and short-staff units to maximize profits. We are the most trusted profession in America. Why? Because we do everything in our power to take care of our patients, whether it's at the bedside or on the streets to fight back against corporate greed. That comment from Bonnie Castillo. Bonnie is the executive director of National Nurses United. She said, on our National Day of Action, our members stand up for staffing models that adequately protect patients, nurses, and our communities against public health crises. Nurses on the move, yes. Post-production workers at Saturday Night Live who edit pre-taped sketches have approved a motion to authorize a strike. The uh, film editors, editors, assistant editors, and media managers, all represented by the Motion Picture Editors Guild, MPEG, which is affiliate of IATSE, have not yet announced a deadline for a strike action. After sending their contract proposals to NBC, they've seen no movement by the company. The film workers at SNL last year made it clear they want a union, and management acknowledged their wishes. Therefore, it's very disappointing that despite the Guild's best efforts, there is still no framework for a contract in place, said National Executive Director Kathy Rapola. Kathy went on to say, we remain committed to getting a contract in place as soon as possible and leave all options on the table to achieve that goal. I'm looking for a skit on Saturday Night Live when they get that result. But some may not want to go down that road. A federal judge in New York denied the National Labor Relations Board's motion to reconsider an order forcing Starbucks Workers United to turn over internal campaign communications to Starbucks. This is a really interesting story. Now, the original order enforced a set of subpoenas filed by the company which require the union to turn over a variety of documents, including discussions of the company's union-busting efforts. Well, Starbucks subpoenaed the documents as part of its defense of a labor board suit seeking a nationwide injunction to stop the company from systematically interfering with worker organizing. Labor scholars have critiqued the order saying it could chill union organizing by making worker communications with unions subject to court disclosure. In rejecting the agency's request, the judge said the documents could directly bear on the merits of providing evidence of a chilling effect on organizing from sources other than Starbucks. We talked about this case some months ago with John Schloys. John is the head of the News Guild. And he said, this is really scary of what's going on because you're talking about First Amendment stuff here. They're communicating with the media about what's going on. And they wanted to disclose all of that. So it's crossing some lines that are really, really slippery there. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back, Paul Goodrich will be joining us. He's an organizer with Labor's International. He'll tell us all about the Feeney Brothers Construction Company. This 
is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. All right. Today we are going to zero in on one topic, and uh, the story is all about the Feeney Brothers Construction Company. As I indicated, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're going to hear from the person that's trying to organize this construction company in Boston, Massachusetts, and that would be Paul Goodrich. Paul has been an organizer for Lyuna for about 25 years. He's seen a lot. <laughs> he's, he's seen more than he expected, especially with this company. <laughs> Hey, Paul, welcome to America's Workforce. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Ed, thank you so much for having me. I, I got to start out by saying this. I was talking to my daughter last night, and uh, and I said, listen, honey, I said, I can't I can't drive you to school tomorrow. I got a thing. I'm going to be on the radio with this guy named Ed. They call him Flash, and my daughter's like, oh, that's great. Tell Flash I said, what's up? So what's up <laughs> from my daughter, Ashley? She wanted to say hello to you, and uh and first off, Ed, thank you so much for what you do. Um, I, I really mean it. Thank you for all you do for organized labor. It's such a, it's great. I've been listening to a bunch of your podcasts and the different ways that how to pass pro-union legislation, how to mobilize workers, different ideas on how to organize. It's really great to hear what different parts of the country are doing to better the lives of working folks. So just want to say thank you. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. And thanks for all you guys do. 
Well, I appreciate the compliments. That's really nice. Tell your daughter, too, to Google my name, and she could see me in my other life. I mean, I started in a rock and roll radio in Cleveland, Ohio, back in the 70s. In fact, I started next month, 50 years ago, believe it or not. But uh, And I've been doing this show for 25 years, and I love so- every minute of it. It's awesome because we're trying to make a difference. We're trying to educate people. We're trying to motivate people. And we got to do some organizing here, especially in this this uh, Feeney Brothers situation. Let, let's get into this thing. Well, Ed, I have a quick ask. I have an ask. I, uh, yeah, before go- we get into the campaign, how about you start, moderate, an organizing show where union reps, public and private sector, labor attorneys could field phone calls from unorganized workers, educate workers on their rights, talk about collective bargaining. Would you do that for us, Ed? Would you? I would love to do that. The only thing, you know, we record this show. So if we can maybe, uh, we, we can talk about this off the air right. and uh, right. maybe set something up. But, hey, there might be an outlet to do something live, especially uh, maybe we can uh, get an individual podcast set up for something like that. That might be, be great. Uh, that might be something. But you're right. We need to do that. People need to know the, the, the rule of the land here. And uh, right now is the time. To do it because, well, you got the right people in Washington, a lot of people organizing, Starbucks, Amazon, retail, you know it. Trader Joe's just organized another place the other day. It really is great to see. Actually, I think was it last week on one of your shows, I think you had the Dayton building trades on. And you spoke about how workers at Walmart get forced to stay after hours to finish their tasks off the clock. It's so funny that when I was listening to that, because I can really relate to that with our Justice for Feeney campaign. The foreman at Feeney Brothers really get paid for doing paperwork for the utilities. And this is just one of the complaints that we have on this Feeney campaign. I'll talk about later, but I wanted to just touch on something real quick. I'm very fortunate. I get to teach at our training centers in Hopkinton and Pomfret, Mass., uh, Pomfret, Connecticut. And my regional manager, Armin Sabatoni, who's also the GST of Lyuna, about 20 years ago, he asked me to be a part of our apprenticeship curriculum. He wanted me to explain what life was going to be like for our union apprentices, the new kids coming in. He wanted me to explain what the benefits of Lyuna, basically like how it was structured, go over their paychecks, talk about the hiring hall, basically give them advice what was happening in the industry. But he really wanted me to focus on how basically how unions have helped all Americans, give some labor history about the laws that have passed that have affected millions of union and non-union workers. So I focused a portion of this presentation, basically on things like the 40-hour work week, how the man of the house would leave, spend 80 hours in some mill, factory, construction site, getting beaten on while basically making no money, then come home Sunday night, eat a meal, do it all over again. How like-minded politicians, union leaders, past legislations told the owners that if you're going to work that worker more than 40 hours, you need overtime. I, I love the bumper sticker from the AFL that said the labor movement, the people that brought you the, uh, the people that brought you the weekend. I talk mm-hmm. about comp. I, I, I talk about all those things where you know they never had these laws. You know, unions and politicians came in and said, "Mr. Contractor, you've got to have a comp policy." Um, the Family Medical Leave Act, all those things, pay discrepancies, how women and minorities get paid eighty-three percent of what men do in every industry across this country besides union shops. But the reason why I mentioned that, Ed, and sorry I'm going off 
going off um, thing here is it's just is one of the examples I use in my presentation is getting apprentices to understand collective bargaining, right? Like how does the union rate get set? And I use Walmart. It's funny that because because you never you never miss an opportunity to beat on Walmart, and I really appreciate that. That <laughs> you know, when Walmart gets dumped in a community, you know. We all know what they do. They undercut their competition by either forcing manufacturing overseas, drive suppliers down so they aren't making any money. But I talk about what happens when Walmart sells milk for five bucks a gallon and the grocery store sells it for six bucks a gallon. And I say, you know, what happens? If, if you own Walmart and you just put your competition out of business, what would you do to your prices? And they all, and all these apprentices yell, oh, I jack up my prices. And I, and I kind of explain to them, I say, that's very similar to what unions do, how we need to control our industries, concrete, utility, masonry industries, and the laborers union, and how then we can increase prices. But it's just so funny. I was at a, I was at a union conference a couple of years ago and one of these speakers had a great line. He he says, "Unions are Robin Hood, and Walmart is robbing from the hood. They uh, they suck the lifeblood out of communities. That every dollar you spend in your community is basically sent to Bentonsville, Arkansas. So I, I just yeah. basically talk about that with our apprentices and the importance of shopping locally. And you know, these independent store owners they live at the they live in your neighborhood and they." You know they are part of your community, so I, I I I thank you for beating on Walmart. They're, they're the pain of my existence as well, and I I hope the UFCW get them someday, Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I actually kind of saluted them a little bit last week because they finally raised their wages. <laughs> their uh, their did. average wage is going to be like seventeen fifty an hour. But you know why that's happening? Hey, you know what the workers are saying? I ain't working here anymore. You got to pay us more. Exactly. That's exactly. it. That's it. it. Unions and the, the union shops they lift all boats. That's what it's all about. Okay, bro- brother, we got to get into Feeney Brothers here. I, I appreciate. Let's your get comments. into it. Let's get into it. So so, so twenty five years you've been organizing, and then all of a sudden, bingo! Here comes Feeney Brothers. Others, you're scratching your head. What the heck is going on here? How, how did you uh, How did you stumble on this? I mean, was, was this something? Was an ongoing campaign? Did the workers come to you? Explain that whole part to me, Paul. So again, Ed, thank you. I, I've had a I've had a great career with the Laborers Union. Now I think I'm rolling on my 26th year with the Laborers Union. I've worked all over the country: California, Buffalo, Vermont, New Orleans. Many years in Boston. Been very fortunate. Two years ago, my director, Scott Gustafson, and our district council businessman, Joe Bonfilio, basically asked me to look into the gas industry. It was a, basically a declining market share in this sector. We were concerned that um, you know, we, were, we were losing the man hours. We were losing kind of our, our kind of basically our control of that industry. We're extremely busy up here in the Northeast, Ed. We've got a ton of life science, bio, pharma, building work, coupled with a ton of infrastructure work. So basically our benches have stayed pretty empty up here in Boston. But we identified the players. They asked me to take a peek at the gas industry. We identified the players in the process of the gas distribution in Massachusetts. And two utilities control a large portion of the Massachusetts energy market. So they control the service agreements for the gas work and decide which contractors get the work. So they had a big say in who's putting the pipe in the ground. Um, quick shout out to my other organizers, Joe Saracino and Joe Tranghese, my partners in this. They've been great. They've helped me out. But 
we basically identified the contractors in the gas distribution area. And the big gorilla in Massachusetts was this firm called Feeney Brothers out of Dorchester, Mass. Basically, we all knew Feeney, a very visible firm, ton of trucks. Um, and we knew, we, we read in the rags that basically that they have basically partnered years ago with private equity. They needed to go hypersonic with the amount of pipe that needed to be put in the ground, and they needed that capital, so they went with private equity firms. So basically, let me, let me just jump back real quick. Feeney was founded by two brothers, Brendan and Greg Feeney, who to this day, Ed, I still haven't met. I've heard they're not bad guys. I'd love to sit down with them someday. I know they know my phone number. I've called them probably 150 times. <laughs> I've asked mutual friends to broker meetings, but they refuse. Not really sure why. Actually, you know, some companies believe that they lose control of of how they run their company, and that could not be further from the truth the way that we are as an organization and how we really, really partner with our signatory companies. And if they win, we win. We're actually... I know you're familiar with the building trades, Ed. The way that we're structured, we'd actually be such a great partner for Feeney. We've got locals scattered all around Massachusetts. They could pull from our 20,000-person labor pool. Mm -hmm. We have state-of-the-art training facilities. We have the capacity to train hundreds of gas workers a month. We actually believe we'd be a great partner for them. Actually help them with their growth goals. But uh, we all know that this is not the... uh, this is not the model for PE firms. So basically, so once we identified that Feeney Brothers was the was the big the big uh, contractor in our industry, our corporate affairs department basically went to work, and they really had to figure out who actually owns Feeney. The local business rags reported that Feeney Brothers was sold for a hundred million dollars, I believe, in 2021. Quick shout out to Aaron Hudson and Jen O'Dell, Steve Schwartz, Colleen Boyle. They're the best. They work at our Lyuna headquarters, Ed. They, um, they've been a tremendous help in this campaign. So they reported back that Feeney was owned by an international private equity firm based in New York City called Clayton Dubier and Rice. They're a monster PE firm whose energy division is called Artera. They were able to find the fund, it's actually Fund 10, that purchased Feeney and who the investors were. Their research found that many state pension funds who have strong relationships with and who have ESG policies are the large investors in this fund. So while the corporate affairs department were hard at work, they were finding out who owns a firm, we hit the streets and we just basically showed up on all the sites, meeting with Feeney workers before and after work, listening to basically how the company has changed since the new ownership. Our findings were pretty dramatic, as you could, as you can tell. I know you've had some experience with private equity in the radio industry. I know that. So, mm-hmm. going from a family company basically to this big behemoth, we knew that they were going to be demanding strong returns and how they were going to cut corners. So, so while many of the utility workers, you know, enjoy union membership in Massachusetts, we have pretty good market share in like water and sewer and, and, and other industries. You know, thanks to the prevailing rate, basically the floor that the public construction market has, the Feeney workers don't enjoy either. You know, the utility 
the utilities basically rent the pipe underneath the city streets in Massachusetts, so it becomes yeah. a private transaction. Um, good news is, Flash, we uh, we just passed the first prevailing rate ordinance in the city of Cambridge, which covers all street cuts, gas work included. Shout out to Alan Boyer, the business manager of our Cambridge local, and our political action, Tony Peeney. They did a great job. They passed the first um, city street cuts ordinance in Cambridge, so that's great. We're actually going to be trying to get that done in cities like Fall River, New Bedford, Lawrence, Lowell, Somerville. So this will really level the playing field, Flash, for our union contractors to compete in the gas industry, help thousands of non-union gas workers with the heavy pay increase as well. So that's there a good go. thing. So. Paul, if you don't mind, i got to take a quick break here. Paul Goodrich joining us on our live line today. He is an organizer with our presenting sponsor, LIUNA. That would be Labor's International Union of North America, 500,000 strong. He's feeling the power, and he wants more workers to feel the power, especially in the New England area. We'll continue with Paul later in the show. We're going to check in with an attorney. Sean Flaherty will be joining us to talk about filing a class action lawsuit in regard to what we're talking about on the show. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. 
Let's go back to uh, New England right now. Joining us on our live line today is Paul Goodrich, organizer, labor organizer for LIUNA, Labor's International Union of North America. We're telling you all about the Feeney Brothers. This is a company in the construction arena, basically uh, working on gas lines, and there's explosive growth in New England. Long story short, this is a mom-and-pop company. They got bought out by a private equity firm. Now, you were telling me in the first segment, well, you know, when that happens, all they care about is money. I mean, and I get it. You've got you to be in business to make money. I get that. But sometimes you're turning the screws a little bit too far. And as a result, situations are compromised. Safety is compromised. Let's pick up on that part here, Paul. What, uh, what's going on? I understand one worker lost his arm. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Terrible. It was a backhoe accident out in Chicopee, Mass. Last April. Terrible. So it is. It's it's the reality um, of what happens when you take a family-owned company and private equity comes in. So we we basically needed to get as much information, and, and the way to do that is through the workers. So we basically formed an an internal organizing committee within Feeney. We grabbed about 12 workers, current and past Feeney workers. We'd meet once a week, and we would just basically gather information. When you get workers to open up what it's really like, it's really the best part of my job, Ed. I I mean, it's like hearing their stories, listening to how a family-owned company and, 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 and what it was like then, and then private equity gets involved. It's really amazing, the transformation. So... During one of our workers' meeting, I asked a Feeney worker to see their paycheck. He gladly turned it over, and it was issued by a different company. It wasn't even Feeney Brothers. So I asked him who he worked for, and he said it was some LLC formed by his friend who was an operator. So Feeney has set up numerous smaller companies within Feeney. They work under Feeney contracts. They wear Feeney hard hats. They get told what to do by Feeney supers and foremen. The only thing is different is their pay stuff. So we're looking into whether or not this is Affordable Care Act avoidance or not. So stay tuned, Ed. We'll uh, we'll circle back and, and let you know how that turns out. But Feeney has roughly about 1,400 workers. You know, many of them are on Mass Health, Massachusetts Public Health Insurance. Feeney and CDR, CDNR, Clay Dugan Rice have basically figured out how to offload insurance costs and liability onto Massachusetts taxpayers. And it's workers through this, like, call a subby model. They set up these subcontractors. Uh-huh. It, I just find it absolutely incredulous that a private equity firm as large as CDNR with $170 billion of assets under management can't afford to give their workers health insurance. It's pushed upon the Massachusetts taxpayers. Pretty disgusting, Ed. I just wanted to <laughs> throw that out there. But, um... But our corporate affairs department's doing an unbelievable job. CDNRs, they're big investors of this private equity firm, our, our state pension funds, and, and they've reached out to them, and they really have taken notice. I was actually, I actually spoke at, believe it or not, at Harvard University a few months ago at an investors conference, and I got to meet people from CalPERS, CalSTRS, State of Illinois, State of Maryland, pension funds, people on the board yeah. there great people who were, who were really interested in what we had to say. They wanted to know what was going on with the Feeney campaign. 
and, and it was just really nice. Like they took the time, they, you know, they, they have hundreds of billions of dollars of money that they managed and they sat with me and they, they wanted to hear the, the stories and because ultimately they are the, the owners of Feeney, I guess, indirectly. Yeah, they are. So also basically what we've done is we've stripped about 120 of them, Ed, uh, we've stripped 120 Feeney workers. You know, that's basically the union term for taking non-union workers and placing them with union firms. It's one of the greatest joys I have, Ed, to be honest with you. It's getting them out of companies like Feeney and into a union shop. I get Christmas cards from Feeney workers who work for uh, work for union companies now. They work under the protections of a CBA. They have a voice in the workplace. They now have family supporting wages and benefits, a real retirement. It's really the best part of my job. But, but, but Paul, what the, about organizing the people at Feeney? Is that is that gaining any ground? We are, we are. This is a uh, this is going to be a, a long campaign, and there's there's a you know different ways of organizing, bottom up and in top down, and we're 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 doing both. We do have hundreds of workers signed up on on authorization cards, and and, and we're just doing everything where we're kind of just shining a light on this campaign and. You know, but since Feeney's basically sold to CDNR, workers do. You're right; they feel less safe. Wages have stayed stagnant, where in other industries they've gone up. Morale's at an all-time low. I mean, we currently have 300 names, cell phone numbers of Feeney foremen, drivers, laborers, operators who are looking to leave. I mean, once a spot opens up with the union GC, I go to my list, I broker the meeting, and secure a union position for these workers. It's Feeney Brothers has become my hiring hall, Ed, if, if that's the right way to say it. <laughs> it, uh, it, it might take a while. Uh, it might take a while. They're a big company, but, uh, yeah. but I'm going to try to get each and every one of them. So these Feeney workers, if you're listening to this, just be patient. We are coming for you, and we will get you over to a union shop as soon as possible. We should uh, give the website again here. It's Justice for Feeney Workers. Dot org justice for feeney workers dot org i played a clip of uh, one of the people you were talking about who uh, was paid i guess in cash for the overtime i mean it's so i'm telling you what goes on in these companies is amazing but they're speaking out they're speaking out and we have to we have to cast a light on this stuff in order to get change the, the thing about it is it's so common with uh, Wall Street money, private equity. I've been following the coal miners in Alabama. That strike's going to be two years going on um, April 1st of this year. And uh, and it's it's a brutal battle. It's a David and Goliath type of battle. But i got to salute you, what you're doing over there. Let me ask you this, Paul. Is this getting any media attention? I mean, America's workforce is exploding nationwide with our podcast. I think you know that. But what about the mainstream media over there in New England? Are they picking up on this story? They will. They will. Uh, this class action lawsuit uh, that was filed last week is really gaining some traction. Um, uh, a lot of state treasurers want to hear about it. Uh, a lot of the media outlets have called. We have a great great media department at Lyuna headquarters, Lisa Martin. She's been fantastic, really shining a light on this campaign and getting it out to everyone that listens. Cause it's a real, it's a real story of, of how 
private equity can get into the thing. And, and, and to be honest with you, Ed, the other non-union firms in Massachusetts are owned by other private equity firms as well. So maybe private equity, they're, uh, they're no dummies. They like yeah. to control the market and then they, then they get their run of it. So yes, yeah, it, it has been catching some, it has been catching some steam. And, and, and the beauty of it is that, that this campaign isn't really your typical campaign in Boston. We're in the midst of this unbelievable economic boom, life science, universities, hospital works at an all time high. We're staring at years of infrastructure work due to Biden's infrastructure bill. And we're also facing a very tight labor market. Many of our laborers joined during the big dig days, like that massive infrastructure project in Boston. Many of these workers are ready to retire. They have got their 30 years in. They can collect their pension and ready to burn those red wings and put on flip-flops. So <laughs> we need to backfill all those positions. This will create hundreds of opportunities for these gas workers in, in the state to uh, join Lyuna and work for high-road companies there that care go. about their workers. And I'll tell you. You got some great leadership with Lyuna in Terry O'Sullivan. He's been on the show many, many times. Great guy. He we is do. a fighter. Yep. I, I, he's got so much energy. So uh, we're going to stay on top of this. I uh, Anything that pops up here, we got a call coming in here from uh, Sean Flaherty. He's going to tell us more about this class action lawsuit. But feel free. You got my uh, personal cell. Text me. I Let do, me know. Ed. Yeah, let me know what's going on. And you know what? Down the road, yes, we'll we'll talk about organizing. You know, there's a lot, as you know, organizing going on right now. And there's probably people that are doing it the right way. There's many that are probably doing it the wrong way. So, you know what? <laughs> it, it again, I... I... I, I was always thinking, I go, I can't tell too much. We, we're we going to be throwing a lot at this company. I can't give you the entire playbook, but uh, I really appreciate you having me on, Ed. And on behalf of the Laborers Union, the Laborers New England region, and the 5,000 unorganized gas workers here in Massachusetts, we, we really thank you. Thank you for shining a light on this campaign. Uh, I'd love to come back and and let you know how we're doing and, 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 and hopefully with some good news on some pay increases and have some of these workers working under a CBA. Once again, Paul Goodrich, organizer for LIUNA, Labor's International Union of North America. You take care, brother, and uh, we'll talk down the road, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Now, there's a guy that's got a lot of fire in his belly. Appreciate him coming to the table today. That's uh, Paul Goodrich, organizer for LIUNA, Labor's International Union of North America, presenting sponsor, national website, LIUNA.org. We'll continue with this story. Coming up next, Sean Flaherty, an attorney whose law firm is handling a class action suit. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. 
There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. Buildings, bridges, skyscrapers, and more. Structures that are the face of our cities and towns were built by members of the Iron Workers Union. That's why it's important that our workforce of over 130,000 iron workers continues to be the safest and best trained in the field. With 154 training centers, we invest over $90 million annually in safety and training. We're growing the next generation of union iron workers. There are so many reasons to put your trust in our iron workers and their employers. Learn more about us at ironworkers.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to Boston, Massachusetts right now. And uh, joining us on our live line is Sean Flaherty. He's with the firm, the Ketchus Law Firm. Been there for uh, almost 20 years. And uh, as I indicated at the top of the show, he's involved in a lawsuit, which will probably be deemed a class action lawsuit on behalf of the workers at Feeney Brothers Construction. And uh, Sean has an interesting story to tell because uh, he became a lawyer because he was injured on a job some years ago. Hey, Sean, welcome to America's Workforce. Thanks for uh, joining us today, brother. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Sean, before we get into the mechanics of this case, can you tell us um, how you got involved in the, the law firm that you're working? That's the uh, the Ketchus Law Firm. And it's based in Boston, uh, but you you were injured on the job some years ago, right? I, I was, I was, I um, I was uh, a younger younger guy back then, and I was injured while uh, while working. Unfortunately, I fell from a lift that I was working in, and uh, in doing so, broke all the bones in my left foot. Um, had multiple surgeries as a result of that fall, and um, was actually represented. By um, by George Ketches, who started the law firm um, some 35, 36 years ago, um, and uh, I've I've wound my way through from from law clerk um, through now um, president and uh, managing partner of the law firm. And I'll tell you, I uh, read some uh, of the stories of the people that you represented. You've done a pretty good job over there. I mean, you got a lot of gigantic settlements there and i'm sure you're looking forward to something here in the future especially with the current case so let, let's talk about what you're working on right now with the with the feeney brothers construction we got off the phone with paul goodrich who's trying to organize the uh, the brothers over there and sisters into various locals of labors international but uh right now what are you at liberty to tell us on this case where do we stand with everything uh sean go ahead Sure, we're in our um, we're in somewhat of our infancy. We've we've filed a complaint on behalf of 
um, former workers and current workers of Feeney Brothers. And what we're alleging is that Feeney Brothers has essentially systematically um, really taken advantage of some of the workers uh, that have been working for them, both in the past and ongoing, by not paying them for hours that we deem to be work when they're performing essential functions of of labor and duties for Feeney Brothers, and they've been uh, not paid for those hours, both at primarily both at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day um, on a regular basis. And uh, our allegations are such that in doing so, um, there our, our clients are due retroactive pay and, more importantly, pay for um, all of these activities that are going to go on to, into the future. I see. Okay. Do we have any idea what kind of money we're talking about this at this stage? You know, we, we really don't. It'd be, it'd be too soon to talk about that. But um, I can tell you that in handling cases like these in the past and handling class actions in the past, um, that it's our belief that we're looking at hundreds of workers and we're looking at tens of thousands of hours that weren't paid. So um, it, it, uh, it could add up rather quickly. And it could be something that, um, you know, uh, you probably need a, a calculator for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now, Sean, let me ask you this. It's my understanding that a number of these workers are uh, like independent contractors. And I'll tell you, Feeney Brothers is not alone. There's a lot of companies. That, and I say this on the show all the time. It's like a lot of companies don't want workers anymore. They want independent contractors, so they have to do everything. on. They have to get their own equipment. They have to pay their taxes. You, you know the story on that kind of thing. That being said, does that kind of complicate things in this situation? You know, it, it, I think you're right. I think your your opinion as towards people being, um, you know, shift workers or, you know, don't, you know, 1099 or uh, the average, you know, independent contractor, I think that that's the way that, Feeney Brothers or other or other um, you know, employers would like to deem people, but the the facts are the facts, and the reality is that when you're controlling where a person has to work, when they have to work, the equipment they need to work, how they have to get it done, you can call somebody an independent contractor, but they're an employee, and you can't evade dealing with all of the things that go along with paying employees, whether it be health insurance or any other benefit that uh, accrues when you're an employee and not an independent contractor. So it would be our goal to have this deemed and have all, all employees that are doing those things deemed employees and not independent contractors. Now, Sean, where's like the state of Massachusetts on this thing? Aren't there laws governing some of the stuff we're talking about here? It, it seems like there, uh, you know, they might have gone over the line. What, what do you know about that? There are, there are, there are, there are our laws um, and the attorney general's stance on these uh, issues um, weighs in the favor of the employee. So um, there are, there's a, there's a, there's a multi-step process kind of a checklist that goes on and touches upon those things that I talked about. What it mm -hmm. really comes down to in the state of Massachusetts is the, the issue of control. And if you're really in control of the, the employee and you're 
you know, telling them when, telling them how, telling them, you know, they have to wear this shirt. They have, then the employee at that point in time is, in fact, an employee and not an independent contractor because there's certain things that an independent contractor has other than a 1099 that would make them an independent contractor. And then one of the, the main issues is control. They can control yeah. whether they work, whether they don't. Um, and so the, the, the longstanding 30 years ago look was, oh, if you're 1099, you're an independent contractor, but not really so much any longer. With the gig workers and the workers that are doing things independently, um, there's, there's been a new there's been a new dawn, a new day. Oh yeah, no doubt. And, and I know that some people like to be independent contractors. They want that flexibility. So, but if you're kind of like wedged in on that situation, that's a different story. Sean, another okay. question here from you. Uh, Catch us law group. I, I know you do a lot for injured workers. And I, I know in this case, one worker lost an arm are, you know, you've been up till now talking primarily about uh, things like being misclassified, wage theft, things of that nature, monetary stuff here. Uh, but what about, what about people getting injured? Are you going, are you representing them as well? Yes. Yeah, so we, we, at Catcher's Law Group, we try to um, represent more injured workers than anybody in New England every year. So that's, that's one of our goals every year is to represent more injured workers than, than any other firm in New England. And I think that's really the basis of our firm and where we see ourselves going uh, into the future and not only in the past and so forth. So how do you feel moving forward? I, I like, like I said before, I mean, you've represented some major, major cases, and you have to know that you're, uh, you're fighting some big money here. I, I don't know how much money this uh, this group has, but uh, you got to be you got to be ready for a big battle here. You know that, brother? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And we um we like to go toe to toe with the with the big giants and the Wall Street Titans. I think it's one of the benefits that we have at our law firm is that we have the financial ability, we have the um the the legal ability to do that. And you're right; it's never as easy as. You would think um, doing the right thing for people, but uh, it's something that we're up for the task for. All right, catch us law group handling the uh, the lawsuit. And you said it's you you're you're pretty confident it's going to be a class action lawsuit. Then we do. We we've filed it as a class action lawsuit. Um, it you know obviously because we're in the infancy and the claim has just been filed. Um, we you know it has not been certified as a class action yet, but it we're, it's our hope and our goal that it will be. All right. Okay, you take care. I know you got a lot of work ahead of you. I really appreciate you coming to the table today to explain your perspective on this case. So uh, please stay in touch with us, okay? We will. We will. Thank you for having us on, and uh, we really appreciate it. All right. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, I'm going to check in with the transport workers on Southwest Airlines and the latest from the Utility Workers of America. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.